0: The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, profiles, and documentaries.
1: You're listening to the Nonprofit Hour on x-ray.fm. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Henry Leisha. During this show, we'll be learning about two organizations that empower people of all walks of life by encouraging them to get out and explore. First, we'll hear from Mitsu Iwasaki and Megan Buchholz from Northwest Outward Bound School, a nonprofit that offers transformative and educational wilderness courses set in some of the most stunning and remote areas of the United States. Next, we speak with Leah Gagliano, the executive director of On The Move. Her nonprofit helps people with intellectual and developmental disabilities engage in their communities by organizing volunteer opportunities, hikes, art gallery visits, and all sorts of outings. For more, we turn to our host, Phil Busse.
2: This is Phil Busse. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I am in the Studio. Actually, the studio is under construction, so we are in a makeshift studio, but it seems appropriate. We are talking with Northwest Outward Bound School. Uh, if anyone seems to be able to sort of be in, in makeshift situations. Mitsu Iwasaki.
3: Oh, hello. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Uh, is the executive director. <laughs> uh,
2: and and <laughs> Megan <laughs> Megan Buckholtz is the director of development. How are you two doing? Great. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, Meet so can you start and just describe I think most people are probably somewhat familiar with Outward Bound School But what do you guys do? Sure, um, you know the way I, that I think about Outward Bound is that we take people and put them
3: into challenging situations And and ask them to ask themselves. Um, who am I? What am I capable of and through that um, and we build that sequentially to to give people more and more challenging experiences over time and through that, and we facilitate conversations, and try to help people grow um, into their full potential as a human being.
2: And can can we let's talk about what a challenging situation is? I mean, is is, is that you you drop them in the wilderness and they have a uh, a book of matches and have to catch their own dinner? What what are we talking about? Uh, we're a little bit more structured than that, but yes, um,
3: we have courses from five to nearly eighty days long, um, and so a student will show up at the trailhead and with a group of about 10 people and two instructors um, I would say walk from their regular lives into into the wilderness and I, I think there's a moment of awe when you step through that 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 trailhead um, into the wilderness and we we build um, goals as, as groups of 10 to perhaps go climb a large mountain or raft a, a difficult river or sea kayak across to Canada. Um, but something that's slightly audacious and students will feel like maybe they can't do this, um, but through maybe this five or seven or 80 days in the long course case, um, build the skill sets and the teamwork and the resilience necessary to meet these really difficult goals.
2: And, and I mean, what a great place to be doing in the, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. You guys would seem to have a real smorgasbord to select from of, of challenging mountains, rivers, other things.
3: Oh, it's it's incredible we have the very best course area in the country i think um, we work in oregon washington and idaho um, across the north cascades um, into the central cascades in backpacking mountaineering and rock climbing um, and then in the salmon islands we see kayak and sail and in idaho we uh, raft the salmon river
2: and I mean, this isn't necessarily just about you're going to go climb a mountain because it's there. I mean, there, there like you said, there are, there are goals, and part of this is uh, leadership development. Is that correct? Absolutely.
3: So what we really care about isn't making new outdoor um, enthusiasts. That, that's fantastic if they become enthusiasts and future conservationists. We want that. But what's really important and what we measure is a person's self-perspective about themselves. Um, can they... Um, you know, reach their full potential as a human being, understand that they can go further than they think they can, that they have um, a larger potential as a human being that they think they do. Um, we also are um, interested in knowing that students learn how to work with each other um, in these times of stress and challenge, that they know how to take care of each other. Um, if you can imagine being up on a, a big mountain, Mount Rainier, perhaps um, five days in with your group of 10 and large snowstorm comes in and the winds are blowing 80 miles an hour, um, We don't, we we want people to to recognize that they can take care of themselves and then look out and say, I've got nine other people out here with me. Um, How do I take care of them? Um, So that's what we actually do is is build potential, um, understand that they're more capable and then um, learn to be compassionate and to be active in taking care of each other too.
2: And, you know, and and I I hesitate to use the word life skills because it sounds like something pulled out of a brochure or what a guidance counselor would use. But it does seem like those skills of being able to survive and be aware of uh, several other people around you when a snowstorm is blowing in on Mount Rainier are the same skills that you're going to need when uh your 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 spouse is driving you nuts and and you have a baby that's that's uh uh, pooping in in his diapers i mean those would be the same skills right absolutely um again you know the the mountains for us
3: and the rivers and the oceans are metaphors to what we do out there and we want these students um young and old to come home and say well I, i i climbed mount rainier or i rafted the salmon river um across blossom bar on the Rogue." Um, and recognize that you know, if I can do that out there, um, I can finish my homework, or I can set a, a goal to get into an Ivy League school, or I can um, set a goal to finish high school. Um, all of these things um, are more important to us than to um, learn how to climb our boat.
2: We're gonna go to a music break in, in just a moment, but I wanted to just ask some, some questions that are, I don't know, on my mind at least. Do you guys eat bugs? Uh, not you personally, not, but not, is that part of the program ever?
3: <laughs> I, 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 not purposefully. I'm sure some people have, but we, we don't recommend that. <laughs>
2: uh, any any uh, good stories that involve bears? I, I don't think
3: we've had bear encounters here. Um, we did have a, a mountain lion encounter about a decade ago where a, a mountain lion was um, seen in a group um, walking through a group of 10. So that, that was fairly exciting
2: and and just before we go to our our music um do you have a favorite nearby hike or adventure that that you you often recommend for people in the portland area i think uh just up the
3: canal um uh, uh, columbia river gorge Gorge, um dog mountain is that what it's called um that's a really great hike slash um trail run and very close to the city
2: me too Iwasaki is the executive director for Northwest Outward Bound School uh, and joining us in the studio. When we come back, we're going to talk to Megan Burkholtz, who is the director of development. Um, Mitsu, how about a song recommendation or, or Megan, a song recommendation?
4: Um, as Mitsu said, when you're on an Outward Bound course, you're in a, you have a moment of awe where you kind of look at the world and see something special. Um, so we have Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Excuse me. Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World.
2: Great choice.
0: The bright, blessed day, the dark, sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful word! The colors of the rainbow. That was,
2: of course, Louis Armstrong. We are in the studio talking to two of the folks from Northwest Outward Bound School. Megan Buckholz is the Director of Development. Uh, Megan, let's, let's just start with, you've bounced around some. You, you grew up in Nebraska, uh, you went to school in the n- Northwest at PLU, then Jerusalem, uh, which, which is uh, an exciting place to go, and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then you came back to the Midwest in Minneapolis and worked for Habitat for Humanity. Is there a common thread?
4: Yeah, um, I think the common thread would just be that I'm interested in learning and seeing new things, Um, but ultimately what's kind of driven my career more recently is that I'm really passionate about fundraising, Um, and I came back to Portland where I call home um, because I am really passionate about Outward Bound, Um, and I just think it's really inspiring to be able to engage people in a mission that I care so deeply about, um, to change the lives of others through, um, you know, Sharing funds and being able to provide opportunities through a charitable donation
2: i I mean that's your director of development one would hope you're, you're passionate about fundraising but but not everybody is I mean yeah. you often hear it from from nonprofits it's like it's the necessary frustration that people have to go mm-hmm. through or it's, it's but t- tell me where where does that passion for fundraising come from
4: yeah it's a great question um, I think it's really challenging and I think a lot of people don't like fundraising because they don't want to have to make an ask, it's really scary. Um, and that challenge is something that I kind of find a thrill in. Um, kind, Outward Bound is all about taking challenges, and that's what I really love about being part of this organization, um, that I'm constantly pushed to challenge myself, and fundraising is that every single day. Um, but I think to really create change in a practical way, you need funds. Um, so that's kind of the way I see that I can make a difference.
2: And, and um Where are, who are most of your donors? Are these alumni?
4: Yeah, we have a lot of alumni donors um, kind of all over the world because Outward Bound's an international program. Um, But we've been operating here in the Northwest for the last 50 years. So we have a long legacy of alumni and former instructors. Um, And a lot of people have had their lives just completely changed by their Outward Bound experience. So they give back to our current programs in order to provide that opportunity for other um, youth.
2: And I'm not saying that you have an easy job, but it would seem like I, you, the f- people that I know that have been part of Outward Bounds or, or gone to the courses love it. And, and it is, it's, it's really life changing, life affirming or it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it would seem like you have uh, a really prime audience to choose from and you have tuition based. Is that correct?
4: Yeah. So our, um, our business structure is split with fundraising and fee for service. So, um, a good portion of our students that come on our courses are paying full tuition, and then we raise um, funds for scholarships for students who wouldn't normally be able to pay for those courses. Um, and then we also have a Portland-based program, um, and that's where a lot of our fundraising comes in, where we bring our programs into the public schools um, and take some of those youth who never experience an outdoor kind of life-changing, um, challenging experience and take them to a rock wall or a high ropes course um, as part of kind of their normal school day. So that's a really special program that I think is compelling to people who aren't necessarily alumni or former instructors.
2: And, and talk to me about your first uh, outdoor experience.
4: Yeah, um, I grew up going to a church camp, uh, Camp Lutherwood down in um, near Eugene. Um, and I kind of every summer I would go out into the wilderness and realize that my life in the city was kind of a drop in the bucket, and there was so much more in the world, even though it was only two and a half hours away. um, Every summer I would have that week of my life where I realized that there was more to the world than me going to school every day. Um, So that was the first, I guess, aha moment where I really kind of fell in love with the wilderness um, and had the Outward Bound experience that changed my life to to open my eyes, I guess. And then I actually went on an outward bound course. I went on a yoga and rock climbing course this uh, two springs ago, um, where they interchangeably um, worked in yoga practice with rock climbing. And that was really, really a beautiful um, course in the way that we learned about kind of the the balance of movement, strength and core strength, and how breathing and intentionality of movement works in both practices and kind of complements each other. Um, And I met some incredible people and um, it was challenging and rewarding and cold and beautiful. So I I really loved it.
2: Uh, So so Outward Bound's not just for kids?
4: No, um, actually there was a 74-year-old on my course and an 18-year-old and I think there were eight of us. So, and and that was one of the most special pieces of my course in particular, that there was this intergenerational learning aspect to it, Um, yeah.
2: We're gonna get another song break in a second, but before we do that, and I know you somewhat have just been giving Uh, a sales pitch for for Outward Bounds. But how do you what's the pitch that you give like the condensed version that you give to your to the alumni or to a potential donor?
4: Yeah. um, A lot of a lot of what we do is character building and giving kids the opportunity to realize that they're um, they're, there. There's more inside of them than they realize and they're capable of more than they realize. Um, And I think in order to create strong leaders for our future, Um, And especially young people who grow up to be conservationists and just have successful lives and have life skills, they need to have this moment where they kind of break out of their own shell and have um, kind of a coming of age experience. Um, And we provide those experiences in a way that kind of can't happen anywhere else. Um, And it's really life changing. Um, And I think in order to create young people who thrive we have to provide these experiences.
2: It's really too bad Donald Trump never went on Outward Bound. I mean, it really, you know, just we're talking about different types of leadership. Um, I, I certainly would have rather had Barack Obama in my, my group. Um, Megan Buckhold is the Director of Development for Northwest Outward Bound School. How about another song?
4: Yeah, next we have Hopeless Wanderer by Mumford & Sons.
2: It seems appropriate. Not, not the hopelessness part. I mean, it seems like you guys would have like purposeful wanderer. Let's take a listen. This is the Nonprofit Hour. We are talking to Northwest Outward Bound School. Uh, Mitsu Iwasaki is the executive director. I want to talk to, to you a little bit about your background. So you were born in Japan, but then moved to Seattle. Is that correct?
3: Yes, I was born in Tokyo and moved to um, Seattle when I was six years old with my parents. Um, my, my father's job brought him uh, from Japan to to Seattle. Do you remember Tokyo much? I uh, I don't remember Tokyo much from my childhood, but but I do get back every every year almost, um, and I'm actually going back to Tokyo next week. I leave on Tuesday uh, for four days in Tokyo, and then going skiing in
2: Hokkaido for for two weeks after that. You know, that that really surprised me is how strong the uh, ski and especially snowboard culture is in Japan. I, I recently saw one of the, the Warren Miller films and boy, there's there's some good snowboarding there, huh? I,
3: I'm told that it's the best snow in the world. I've never skied out there, but I am um, excited to learn.
2: What was your, I mean, so much of what you do now is obviously helping set up opportunities for, for students and for adults to have uh, group and outdoor experiences how did you first get pulled into uh, being out in the wilderness, or, or 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 being being a nature enthusiast?
3: Sure, I, I um I actually think it happened when I was sixteen years old. I um went to Alaska to work on a fishing boat. Um, that sounds a little bit strange, but Outward Bound actually gave me the language to talk about it five years later. Um, so got an airplane ticket from Seattle to Anchorage, and then Anchorage to Nicknack or, or Kniknek. I'm sorry. Um slash King Salmon and from there I chartered a small plane to get to um Chignik, which is essentially near the end of the aleutian islands um or end on the north side so the end of the um, alaska peninsula and when i got there it was supposed to be picked up by someone but but you know i got dropped off on by a bush plane at the end of a dirt runway and no was no one was there to pick me up <laughs> um, but if you can imagine 16 year old just flew out of seattle that morning um, dropped off on the end of a dirt runway, looking into the Pacific Ocean at the al- end of the Alaska Peninsula. And there was this moment of awe and a moment of greatness um, that there's something out there that is just huge and incomprehensible. Um, so that, that, I think that is the moment where, where I stepped through from, you know, my normal world into something that was m- more spectacular. Um, and then I spent the next three months working on a, a fishing vessel with five people.
2: Someone did pick you up eventually. Eventually they
3: did. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> hours later. Um, but you know that, that really mimics an Outward Bound course, and that's why I came to Outward Bound. Um, well, your first question, that's how I got introduced to the outdoors, um, that there's something greater and there's something more inside myself and, and a desire and a wonderlust to go find it. Um, and then five years later, I started at Outward Bound and, and recognized, well, I was on an Outward Bound course. Um, not Outward Bound, but Outward Bound course essentially with a small group of people with with a purpose, learning how to work with each other in um, really harsh conditions at times, um, and you know taking care of each other and, and leading and following and, and being good out there.
2: And what, what was the Outward Bound course that you were on, your first one that you went on? I have never been on one.
3: <laughs> yes, I haven't been an instructor, however. Um, so I spent a decade um, instructing courses from um, everywhere across the, the West Coast, everywhere from down in Baja to Alaska, um, sea kayaking, sailing, mountaineering, and rock climbing courses. So when I say I haven't been on one, I've been on many courses, I just has, haven't been a student yet.
2: Part of Northwest Outward Bound School, part of Outward Bound uh, in general is, is about uh, life skills and, and also about leadership style. Um, obviously you are the leader of, of an organization. Can you describe your leadership style? I think, you know, I I think I'm well. I I know that I'm really grateful
3: um, that we are a group of people that are highly um, capable. Um, When I look around the staff, everyone is is just incredible at the at the work that they do, and they're passionate and they're committed. And um, the the way that I think about this is that they they don't actually really need me. Um, I'm just the 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 glue that holds everyone together but um at the end of the day we we have a direction that we're going everyone's committed um everyone is both um capable of doing this on their own but also um interested in collaborating um with everyone else in the in the office so i think of my job um is just to provide the resources and the opportunity for for um all of the the team members or the directors um, and everyone that supports them to go do what they're doing. So um, I, I don't know that I would call that a leadership style, but just more of a philosophy. Um, Megan, is he being
2: modest?
4: Uh, absolutely. I think I, I think he's right in the way that he does provide us the resources as his leadership style. But um, I think the greatest part about Mitsu's leadership style is that he um, he can lead, and he's really talented at knowing the right way to teach us the business practices side of things um, so that we can actually be successful and not just operate in this um, you know, nonprofit alternative, fluffy world that sometimes nonprofits operate in. Um, we can actually all learn business practices to be a successful operation.
3: I, I think if I can add to that a little bit, um I think my leadership style is actually informed by being an instructor for Outward Bound. Um, There's very few places that I've been to where um, you get to practice leading a group of people or a small group of people into really challenging situations where they may or may not want to be there um, and try to inspire them. Um, And I think it's about clarifying for all of us um, our values and beliefs, building those relationships with each other and, and being inspired to do something that is Perhaps feels impossible, um, and if we can do that with our team, which I think we do sometimes,
2: um, we're going to be successful. Is it is it ever difficult to to have essentially a desk job when 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 all of you're orchestrating all these wonderful outdoor experiences, uh, and, and even if you're bringing in those skills that you've learned from from being out in the wilderness, you're still at the desk and you're looking at all these I assume photographs and from your website, which is a beautiful website. You're looking at all these, these mountains and streams and you're at a desk. Is that weird? Uh, I don't think it's weird,
3: um, but uh, to your point, I do have to um, do other things, bring, bring adventure into my life when I'm not standing at my desk. Um, that, that helps, yeah, because I, I do need that adventure. So you know, I commute by bike every day, most every day, um, not when it was icy and snowing. Um, i run to work sometimes um, and weekends i try to fill a weekend with climbing a mountain or skiing something or rock climbing or something of that sort so um, i I do put bring adventure into my life Um, with that desk job i think it's critical because if i'm not standing there or someone else isn't standing there at the desk um, these courses don't go out then you know that knowing that there's 1500 students this year that will go out and experience this um, because Megan and I are standing at our desks, I, I think it makes it easily worthwhile.
2: Mitsu Iwasaki is the executive director for Northwest Outward Brown School, and Megan Buckholtz is the director of development. Uh, thank you guys both for joining us today. Um, just how, how do people find out about courses if they want to get involved, and then a song to take us out?
4: Yeah, you can find all the information you need about courses and upcoming events that we have at www.nwabs.org. And then our last song is Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks.
1: Fantastic. This show is made possible with generous support from Chinookbook, whose mobile app rewards your sustainable lifestyle choices with sweet savings at hundreds of neighborhood businesses near you. Use it for tonight's dinner or your next adventure. Download the app free at Chinookbook.com.
5: Who doesn't know? talking about Who's never left home Who's never struck out To find a dream and a life of their own A place in the clouds A foundation of
6: What if, this summer, you did something different? What if you worked with people you admired in a city that inspired you, making something that you were proud of? The Media Institute for Social Change is looking for students like you to be a part of their summer documentary program in Portland, Oregon. As a student, you'll create original audio and video pieces about issues that you care about. You'll meet and learn from media professionals whose work is aimed at social justice. You'll immerse yourself in Portland, a city that will serve as your hands-on media-making laboratory. Sound like your type of summer? Apply today at MediaMakingChange.org.
1: Applications for the 2017 Summer Documentary Program are accepted on a rolling basis until Friday, April 7th. Live in Portland and want to support our emerging media producers? Why not host one of our students this summer? Email rose at mediamakingchange.org with questions about becoming a homestay host. Next, we'll listen to a short radio documentary produced by Savannah Tracy during the Media Institute's 2015 Summer Documentary Program. In this piece, Tracy takes us to the vibrant community of the Portland Mercado.
0: (laughs)
7: The Mercado is a rainbow. It's just a bright, vibrant, loud, deliciously smelling sight.
8: That's Jamie Melton, the Community Economic Development Marketing Coordinator of Hacienda CDC. Hacienda is a nonprofit that was instrumental in creating the Portland Mercado.
7: The Portland Mercado is an LLC, so it's a business entity operating under the helm of Hacienda, with 19 individual businesses operating full-time here. 16 out of 19 of the business owners are immigrant entrepreneurs coming from various regions of Latin America. Uh, We use the glue gun, the staples, and now we just cut the cardboard from boxes from our candy that we that we get, we help my mom make the piñatas. It's a very long process.
8: (laughs) Sonia has been making piñatas for the past six years with her family. They own a traditional party shop in the mercado. This
7: all started, my dad was a a distributor for the candy. He would go around Mexican stores selling Mexican candy. Then he got injured, so he couldn't do that anymore. And so we just stick to the flea markets, and we sell them there too. And this um,
8: has opened many more doors. Portland has gentrified over the past 13 years more than any other American city, according to new data by Governing Magazine. This means lower-income communities get edged out of their long-time neighborhoods with the influx of wealthier, typically white, residents. The mercado has had a hand in curbing this trend.
7: Hacienda is known for developing affordable housing complexes. We're seeing people of color and communities that are underserved being priced out. This whole idea first started when we had a group of residents living in our units seeking ways to increase their income and so we decided to set them up based on a skill that they had and that was making tamales and they started off selling in farmers markets and gained a lot of success doing that but with that came the demand to have more selling opportunities and so we thought about this idea of the mercado where we could have a place that would offer these opportunities. Um, So I think for sure that we're one small piece of the puzzle that can help curb displacement a little bit. This is a place where you come and you get filled up on diversity and culture and delicious food. It's also an opportunity for us all to come together and support small business development and uh, transformation of neighborhoods without displacing
0: people.
8: For X Ray FM's Nonprofit
2: Hour, I'm Savannah Tracy. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour on X Ray FM. We are joined by Leah Gagliano, who is the founder director.
9: I am the current executive director. Um, our founder is Molly Mayo. Uh, she started the organization in 2007 and in 2015, uh, which was just recently transitioned out of the organization. Um, so I'm just the first executive director after our founder.
2: So I'm not even, not even 30 seconds in and I already am using alternative facts <laughs> uh, on the move PDX. So I, I like the description on the website on the move activities have a health and wellness focus. Um, talk to me about what that is. So. You, Groups, you have people that volunteer, go out to uh, animal shelters or go out hiking, you go to art galleries, you get people out.
9: Yes, exactly. Um, we really try to provide the framework for the supports that we're offering to uh, folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And so we use environmental sustainability, health and wellness, and obviously things that are meaningful to people as the framework for the supports that we're providing. So essentially, folks will come into our organization and um, self-determination is a really big component of what we're offering as well. So individuals will come into our program and they form into small groups of two or three participants with one staff person supporting them and in the morning they plan their day together Um, so each person brings to the table something that they're interested in and what they want to do so that they're determining what they do with their day they're not coming in and being told this is where you're going to go or this is what you're going to do Um, our staff help facilitate that uh kind of figuring out um, a group consensus of where to go, and during that facilitation process, the staff helped to provide um, activities that could um, really benefit the individual in both healthy, meaningful ways, and um, also that are aligned with a sustainable mission that we have. Um, So we we try to offer some opportunities, but really we we want it to be participant-led and directed.
2: And, and it seems like it's pretty open, but again your part of your description is that you avoid the mall and fast food
9: <laughs> Well that was something that was um, really instilled by our founder Molly Mayo she really um, she really taught all of us actually that there's better ways to go about fitting into mainstream culture um, and those other ways are exciting and um, may not be things that you would um, really know about or have the opportunity to explore so there's nothing inherently wrong with the mall or you know going to uh, places that are kind of more mainstream it's just that um you know as she described it she feels like most times people with intellectual and developmental disabilities they they get a lot of opportunity for those typical type type of activities throughout their lives and we wanted to provide um alternatives to that and um so I think at the onset of starting an organization like that you have to really make it very clear you know this is not what we're going to go and do every day Uh, we are going to try and you know tap into some of the really neat places all around portland really explore our community explore the city um, be in nature there's plenty of parks things to do outside and outdoors Um, so it's really about exploring other options um, rather than kind of this narrow, um, you know, mainstream as a means of fitting in.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, who On The Move PDX is working with because these these are not, you're not going out to necessarily hike a mountain or Correct. you are, these are some really simple outings, but but for uh, some of the, the people that you're working with, these, these are a big deal.
9: Absolutely. Um, we always kind of say the journey is more important than the destination i mean i think some people have that as a mantra in life um and that's true with our outings and activities Uh, we take public transportation everywhere we go it's part of our um, sustainability piece of our mission is to reduce um you know our footprint um, by taking public transportation but in that also i mean going out in the bus is a huge component of community int- inclusion and integration learning a lot about the different characteristics of people how to how to have exchanges and interactions that are safe um, and then the destinations that we um, get to again it's really participant driven um, but again we try to incorporate some ideas for volunteerism um, getting out and hiking. We'll, we'll call them sometimes urban hikes, where we're hiking through neighborhoods. We're walking through neighborhoods. We're um, interacting with the community. Um, and they can be really simple interactions. It's just a simple hello as you walk by and a friendly smile. Or it could be when we're eating lunch. We have lunch out in the community every day. So we find a public place to sit down and have our, our meal together. Um, and so it's Every single opportunity that we can have to have a, a personal exchange um, is really what it's about. Um, and, of course, we're, we're trying to engage participants in um, something that they've never tried before as well.
2: Talk to me a little bit more about who are your participants mm-hmm. and, and how are they finding you?
9: Sure. So the folks that we support um, typically referred to us through their personal agents, which is through the brokerage support system. And the brokerage support system is an Oregon Department of Human Service um, service system. (laughs) Um, And so the folks that find us, they typically find us because they're looking for support services based on a disability related need.
2: And and uh, talk to me then about you know recent activities and and really what the impact you feel like it had on on that person.
9: Mm-hmm. So one of the activities that we do, we go in, um, we do some volunteer work at the Oregon Food Bank. Um, we we have several people that go throughout the summer and and help care for the um, the learning gardens. We used to help care for the chickens um, and, and just clean the pens and stuff like that. I really. I believe that our activities are kind of the means to the end. Um, They help facilitate um, meaningful roles and jobs and, and experiences, but it's really, truly the interactions that we have with folks when we're there, when we're interacting. And so I was um, asking for some feedback from the volunteer coordinator at the food bank, and, and she just believed that us being there and, and being involved and engaging in you know everything that everybody else in the community comes and does, it really helps to provide a level of diversity um, that people really come to appreciate and in terms of what it does for the individual participants that we support they really get the opportunity to have this personal expression of giving back and saying i we had this one person that said you know um i've received help from a food bank in the past so i really enjoy being able to go and and help the food bank and so it was their kind of way of having an exchange and think at the core, that's really just about our humanity is there's always a give and take. And if we, if we're always, um, positioning people to be the receivers and never really giving them an opportunity to be the givers, we're really kind of stripping them of a sense of humanity. And that's, it's not, um, it's not actually what people want. And I think that's kind of the model of services that we've, um, historically provided folks with disabilities is, um, you know, make sure they're, make sure people are taken care of, make sure, you know, they have everything they need. And, um, that's great. And that, uh, that's absolutely a must like health and safety is number one in our program, but people really need the opportunity to express their gifts and their talents and their unique contributions to the community. And so I really believe like the activities that we do help promote those, those gifts and, and Unique talents.
2: Yeah, I think that, that sense of productivity is exactly is both in <laughs> essential and inspiring uh, for people. Leo, Leo Gagliano is the executive director for On the Move, PDX. Uh, how about a song? Let's take a little music break.
9: This song is called "Handle with Care" by the Traveling Wilburys, and it's a song from my childhood that makes me feel happy and safe.
2: Uh, that's a song from my college years, which makes me feel old now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you the
2: this is the nonprofit hour on x-ray FM we are talking with Leah Gagliano who is executive director for on the move let's talk a little bit about how, just wrapping up our conversation where does your funding come from
9: well that's a good question that we get asked often Um, so a majority of our funding for the actual support services that we provide come from contracts through um, the Oregon um, Department of Human Services and so we rely um, a lot on the Medicaid services and um, a a smaller percentage come from grants and individual fundraising efforts um
2: yeah i mean it would seem like it's it's a difficult you are serving a population that that is uh not necessarily will not be paying for the services directly correct um but it would also seem like it is it's obviously very important work that you're doing so it, it would seem to be attractive uh to to some grants as well
9: yes so we our primary programs are community inclusion and just recently we started um, a supported employment program and both of those programs are pretty much um, supported through the state and federal funded dollars Um, the challenge sometimes is that you know rates we don't we are not in control of the rates or what we can um, you know bill for services and Uh, What we're finding difficult is that a lot of the rates that we are functioning under are from um, You know almost ten years ago um, cost of living and so it's still a little bit of a challenge Um, even within the um, The government system of um, Receiving funding through that that stream it still feels like um, People with disabilities intellectual and developmental disabilities um, it, It feels like we're still even on the fringe of um, you know, where the dollars are, are going and being spent. And it feels like, and I'm sure every sector and government will say that like, Oh, you got to, we're more important. We're this, we're that we need this and we need that. Um, but it, 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 every time a new legislative session comes up, it, it always feels like we're, we're over here in the corner screaming, please don't forget us. Please remember that we, we have these vital services that we really need to be able to provide. Um, and it's, you know, I, I learned once from somebody, I forget who it was, but they said disability services is really the, the only um, government social service that folks rely on from the time they're born to the time they leave the world.
2: And and, and so most of this is coming through state funding or and uh, you might see where this question is going is, is how much are you worried about uh, and the funding say uh, with with the new political era that we're in he, we will not speak his name
9: yeah so that's a good question um I'm confident that no matter what occurs that on the move and what we stand for and what we believe and provide the community and to the folks we support that we will continue to provide those supports, regardless of what happens to our funding stream. Um, I say that with obviously some caution, because if a, a huge part of your funding stream is cut, you need to make adjustments. Um, we do have, we're gaining support from other, um, some fr- from some foundations. Um, Meyer Memorial Trust has given us a grant this year to develop, um, a a broader base of volunteers to um, really promote actually what we're doing with community inclusion um, and equipping community members who want to get involved in the same way that our staff goes out with folks um, to bring them in and and really train them on how to um, how to really work with somebody and um, just build a friendship with people with disabilities Um, so you know if if our I mean, it would not be an easy time, obviously, but if our funding um, completely went away, I would hope that we would be able to appeal to the vast majority of funders and um, donors for the good work that we're doing, that it should continue on.
2: And let's let's end on the note about volunteers because that, that is a way that people can get involved. So y- you, you need, you rely on, you have people who lead these outings. I mean, it, it sounds like it's a very... Oh. Tangible and fun uh way to volunteer for a nonprofit
9: yeah, so our community inclusion program relies on paid staff who are highly trained and um, have very specific support skills um, and the individuals have very specific goals in mind, so that relationship is definitely more of a professional um relationship, of course, a friendly like we like to draw lines and say I'm a professional in your life but it's a very friendly professional relationship what we would like to do is is kind of expand that to offer the opportunity for community members to essentially do something similar but not be in such a position of I am the person helping you work towards this that and third just somebody to come in and say I see you've been Growing and building these independent skills. Let's just go out for a cup of coffee together. Um, oftentimes, um, not not in every case, but oftentimes, folks who experience intellectual and developmental disabilities, their primary social circle involve family and paid caregivers, and so this can be really limiting. To going back to that um, conversation we had about that reciprocal exchange, just in the human exchange, you know, if, if I'm having a hard time based on whatever I'm experiencing and I, I say, you're, you're a jerk, you know, your response to me might be, uh, okay. If you're going to call me names, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home. I don't want to spend time with you. But if you're a, a paid caregiver and somebody's having a hard time and and says something kind of, you know, not nice or something, you're paid to stay there and kind of receive that and really work with that. Almost kind of like a therapist. You wouldn't, you wouldn't enter into a relationship. You wouldn't want to go out to eat, um, with your therapist. I mean, maybe you would, (laughs) um, but you don't, you don't really get that true reciprocity. You don't get the, you're not afforded that true reciprocity because the people in your life are either paid to be there or they're your family. And um, yeah, people, people really need the opportunity to just have, you know, real connection and real belonging. And that connection and belonging does occur. I mean, there's plenty of relationships where um, there's Folks have support providers, and they have beautiful relationships. But at the end of the day, that person is still paid to be in their life. And for some people, that that changes the relationship. For others, it has no bearing. Um, and it's a beautiful time that they can get to know each other. But we want to be able to um, expand on the opportunity for real connection and real belonging, which we believe will only promote true inclusion integration Um, so when community members can come in and um, build friendships with folks with disabilities I I know firsthand experience that it's a really fulfilling and um, somewhat somewhat life-altering types of friendships
2: Leah Gagliano is the executive director for on the move PDX thank you for all the good work that your organization does Thank you. And one more song to take us out.
9: This is Shower the People by James Taylor.
0: You can play the game and you can act out the part Though you know it wasn't written for you Tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed of playing doesn't take any sacrifice. Oh, father and mother, sister and brother, if it feels nice, don't think twice. Yes. Shower the people you love with love. Show them
6: What if, this summer, you did something different? What if you worked with people you admired, in a city that inspired you, making something that you were proud of? The Media Institute for Social Change is looking for students like you to be a part of their summer documentary program in Portland, Oregon. As a student, you'll create original audio and video pieces about issues that you care about. You'll meet and learn from media professionals whose work is aimed at social justice. You'll immerse yourself in Portland, a city that will serve as your hands-on media-making laboratory. Sound like your type of summer? Apply today at MediaMakingChange.org.
1: Applications for the 2017 Summer Documentary Program are accepted on a rolling basis until Friday, April 7th. Live in Portland and want to support our emerging media producers? Why not host one of our students this summer? Email rose at mediamakingchange.org with questions about becoming a homestay host. Next, we'll listen to a short radio documentary produced by Hannah Pukish during the Media Institute's 2015 Summer Documentary Program. In this piece, Pukish shows us how My Voice Music is empowering youth through song. Mm-hmm
0: were founded to serve very high needs youth, youth that were incarcerated, youth that were in 24-hour mental health facilities where the basic needs are provided in, in this rehabilitation. They've got proper medication assessment and delivery, and they've got food, and they've got shelter, and they have a safe place. But what is missing in a lot of those facilities is engaging normal programs for kids to be a part of. And kids need opportunity to be kids and not therapy subjects.
5: That's Ian Mauser, founder of My Voice Music and similar to a much more laid back version of Jack Black from School of Rock. He started My Voice Music in 2008, and since then he has been working with his staff to give the underserved kids of Portland a chance to create songs with just a few musical tools.
0: We found this philosophy of music that is songwriting first and and as we write a song there's a place for everyone and you can begin to experience music immediately
10: we're not like oh you have to take two years of guitar and you need to learn four chords and then i'll teach you all about song structure We're like, no, you're seven, you got this cool little poem, like, you want to open-tune this guitar and play it through a phaser and then sing on top of it, and then all of a sudden they're super excited because they created this piece, and they realize it's not that difficult. We're breaking down that barrier of, like, you don't have to be a professional, you don't actually have to know what you're doing or have any organizational
5: structure, you just have to put it out there. Monica Metzler is the outreach and program coordinator at My Voice Music. She believes that the therapeutic aspects of music are what truly help inspire and heal the kids that she meets and works with every day. Like, I'm working right now with teens, teen
10: girls specifically, who are um, sexually trafficked or in the sexual business, and they come from different backgrounds. You know, they're they're basically... It's like foster care for youth who've been through sex trafficking. To go in there is is interesting, but, like their stories come out of their songs like we've been working one-on-one and through song they'll be talking about their experience of being a woman or having been in the sex trade and that there's more to them than that that you know I just I'm thinking of like some lyrics that are coming out of just like um you know keep your head up and your clothes on there's more to me than meets the eye like basically I'm a sexual being but I'm also into reading and history I feel like that's really inspiring and it's um it's good to see them release some of that stuff and so for me when I see that happen I'm like whether or not they're showing emotion about it or they're appreciative of it in the moment like I think it's very therapeutic for them and I've seen a lot of kids just like get so happy like so surprised that they're they're like oh my god i wrote a song and we recorded it and we hand them a cd and they're just like they just wrote this like deep dark song about this like terrible trauma in their life and they're so happy about it you know it's like this empowering moment
5: here's the song that one of the girls wrote and performed with monica and my voice music's help i love adultery among other things reading cooking baking history so pussy and sex aren't my only qualities Sorry, there's more to me. I'm interesting. Let's be clear. I don't wake up sexy. I don't sleep in thongs and sexy outfits. I sleep like me, sports bras and t-shirts, sports shorts. Am I clear? I sneer when I hear be sexy, wear sexy clothes. That ain't me. I can seal my body and skin. Let you dream, so keep dreaming. To learn more about My Voice Music and their current music classes, go to their website, myvoicemusic.org, for more information.
1: That's all for this week's nonprofit hour. We'd like to thank our guests, Mitsu Iwasaki and Megan Buckholtz of Northwest Outward Bound School, as well as Leah Gagliano, the Executive Director of On the Move. This show was made possible with the support of BusinessWorks, specializing in small business accounting needs of all kinds, from payroll to day-to-day bookkeeping and beyond. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our radio show, Please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, xray.fm. Our host is Phil Bussey, and our producer and editor is Henry Leisha. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to nph at mediummakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Nonprofit Hour on KXRY Radio, xray.fm Join us on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. and Tuesday afternoons at 1. Have a great week!